G'day everybody, welcome to this, another episode of the Free Kick, the AFLW Fantasy Podcast's Clubs in Days series. Today we're talking the Collingwood Magpies and today I'm also joined by Will. How you going? I'm going very well, thank you Liam. How are you? Look, I have to talk about another rival of the Bombers so it hurts a little bit. I'm assuming that's why you've thrown it to me. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> Never Not mind that, that you're... Yeah, inside knowledge or anything like that. Yeah, you have no connections with the Collingwood Football Club whatsoever. Obviously, you're going to take control of this. I will sit here and be host and, and throw pot shots. So, nice. first throw to you. Can you just give us a rundown of what season six and, oh, sorry, season seven and season six looked like for the Pies? Yeah, absolutely. So, season seven in particular was a, an interesting one for the Pies. Um, finished with a 7 3 record, so pretty strong, but it was a pretty up and down season. Uh, they ended up in the logjam of teams fighting to make the, the prelims. There was four or five teams that ended up on seven and three, uh, and they ended up losing to Adelaide in the semi-final. Um, but the, ma- the main thing or the main thing of note last season was the massive injuries to two of their superstar midfielders. And we're going to talk a bit about them later. Um, but yeah, Collingwood are going to be one of those teams that are going to continue to, to fight towards finals. Um, but they've got a few personnel changes, which will make it interesting. They've had a whole bunch of players, experienced players leave and some, some big names come in. Some of the biggest outs lists in the game. Um, Chloe Malloy, huge loss in that forward half. Jamie Lambert, former uh, best and fairest winner. And longtime captain, seven seasons, Steph Ciocci joining Jamie Lambert at the Saints. That, that's a big list of outs. It's, I think that's rivaled only yeah. by Brisbane. I actually, yeah, I say huge. they're not even rivaled. It, 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 it's ranked second to Brisbane in terms of games, experience, like fantasy points out the door. It's a, it's a pretty big laundry no, list. Absolutely, the two, the two major ins that we're talking about is a friend of the pod, Tani White, who will hopefully fill one of those midfield spots. And the other major one is actually Nell Morris Dalton, a, a really talented key forward coming from the Bulldogs, which will the the Pies will definitely be hoping can fill a bit of the void left by Chloe Malloy, but. Gee, it's hard to replace those uh, those big names. But as we've said, they've actually got some uh, technical recruits, which will... This is the big thing. Yeah. They've, they've got some recruits coming from the injury list. And just before we get too far, friend of the pod, Tani White, but mainly friend of the white, friend of the pod, Tani White's mum, who likes almost every post that we have done about St Kilda and now Collingwood on our Instagram page. Shout out to Tani White's mum. Yes, thank you very much, Tani's mum, for being one of our best supporters. Perfect segue into, Will, who is your number one most fantasy-relevant player at Collingwood? Well, my number one goes hand-in-hand with the number two, which is Bree Davey and Britt Benici. Both of them did their ACLs in Season 7, and both of them will be coming back at a discounted price. I put Bree Davey as my number one in particular. Um, She averaged 95 in Season 5, which was her W Award-winning season. Um, so she's right up there with the, the best possible scorers, and we reckon she's going to be priced at around about 53, which to me makes her almost a must-have. Yeah, it's ridiculous value. I would also just like to note, you've ranked Brie Davey number one, but only because I forced you, because the next one is extremely close. 
Mm. Yeah, I actually had these originally as a, a, a parcel package because Britt Benici is the other one. Uh, once again, coming off an ACL injury, capable of averaging close to 90, highest season average of uh, 89 also in season five. I think she'll be priced around about uh, a 59. So those two, I think, are going to make up the midfield core of quite a few teams going into this season. Yeah, it's it's actually remarkable. We're probably going to have most of our midfield made up of Sydney and Collingwood to start the year. And it's just because there's just so much absurd value in the pair of them. I do think one thing you mentioned as a, a reason to possibly prefer Benici is her consistency. Mm. Her last three years where she played at least, you know, seven games, so close enough to a full season, all of them have been above 78. And her last two seasons, if you discount her injured score, have both been at 88, 89. Absolutely. She's super consistent, Brippanici. She's one of the few players that really does score a lot of her points through marks, which is something I love. Um, gets out into space, takes marks on the wing, fantastic stuff. Um, but Brie Davies' ceiling just pips it for me, um, but I reckon I'll probably be starting with both of them, to be honest. Yeah, I, I think that I, I agree with your decision to go Brie Davy, if only because that's a higher ceiling and she's cheaper. But mm, I think the yeah. other thing that we really can't discount, and it's probably remiss of us not to have discussed it when we did talked about Maddie Gearan, is what do players look like coming off ACL injuries? Mm. It's not always come back really easily. And to make it even more different here, they're coming off knee injuries two seasons ago but and, and a year and a half ago. So mm. does that kind of way, does that kind of extra time, that extra six months than what would normally be required for an ACL recovery, make it that don't have to worry about that latency players coming in kind of looking a little bit slow when they start the year. Do we just need to like go throw that out the window? It's 18 months. These players are going to be fully fit. They were basically training full-time at the back end of last year. Or Mm. do we need to take it with the same grain of salt and say they might come in and only score 60s and 70s because they're just underdone? Yeah. And and to me, I think at the prices they are, 53 and 59. I reckon both of these could probably average a 60 in their sleep. So to me, even if they're not hitting those super high, you know, 90 averages, I think you can probably bank something around about a 70, which is enough to make enough money for you to get up to someone that that will average that high one. So I think it's very, very low risk. Um, and if they do come back, as you said, because they've had that longer preseason, which means they are fully fit, even better. I also will flag as well because I, I agree. Like I think that there's present too much value, but I'm just trying to think of some reasons why if they don't immediately fire and pop and become 80s and 90s again, you, you shouldn't be overly disappointed. That's kind of potentially to be expected. The other thing that uh, I really wanted to discuss was Collingwood scoring overall. They had no player average above 70 last year. So it's worthwhile noting as well that they don't have necessarily that fantasy scoring season ceiling. Now, whether that's a question of these two elite fantasy scorings not being in the side, meaning their averages are lower, or it's just a case of game style means they're not going to be an elite team this year, scoring fantasy-wise. Yeah, it's it's going to be an interesting one. And they've, they've basically remodeled their entire midfield over, over a preseason, so who knows? Now, Will, I was going to throw to you for your pick three, but before you even get a chance to say who it is, I'm also going to say that they are also our interviewees. So, Will, do you want to talk about the interview you did, you got to do with the Collingwood Superstar? 
Absolutely. I was absolutely privileged to have Geordie Allen join me for a chat. She is a best and fairest winner, superstar defender for the Pies. Uh, it was fantastic to have a chat with her. She's one of the best spoken players in, in the AFLW. So let's jump into that now. How's it going, everyone? Today we have a very special guest. We have Geordie Allen here from the Collingwood Magpies. Geordie, how are you going? Good, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Um, yeah, really excited. Now, it's an absolute pleasure to have you. Uh, first and foremost, how is this recent off-season? You've actually had a proper extended break rather than the quick turnaround like last year. So what have you been up to? Yeah, um, it was kind of a weird one because I kind of had to learn how to relax again, mm. it felt. Um, you know, after two seasons in one year, it's pretty much 14 months straight of footy. Um yeah, it was it was super refreshing once I did kind of settle into um, holiday off-season mode. I went up the coast with my best mate. Uh, we just took our car, no plan, just let's send it. <laughs> and we yeah, went nice. away for four weeks throughout Jan. So um, that was really, really good. And then just got back into uni at the beginning of Feb at the end of summer. Yeah, very nice. Um, I guess the, the two back-to-back seasons, as you mentioned, was quite an unusual thing. But I guess for you, you've had a few injury concerns in the past. Was it actually good to have a bit of continuity in your footy? Yeah, yeah, there was a um, – it was good to get a lot of games in. Um, and I know after being a junior and you play heaps and heaps of games, then you come to AFLW level. And, like, my first season we played eight games. So um, it was nice to get a lot of games in. But considering I did have a broken foot at the end of season six, mm. I didn't – and we had six weeks of off-season um, before we got into the new preseason for season seven – I was very much under the pump trying to get back for day one of uh, pre-season for season seven. Um, and, yeah, very grateful for the support that I had from our, um, our S&Cs and the physios and the support staff. Um, you know, my foot, my foot stayed together. No, no more foot injuries, hopefully <laughs> <Always> good. <laughs> forever. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, no, it was great to be able to really launch into pre-season and feel really strong and comfortable in my body. Yeah, that's fantastic. And 2022 was a really exceptional year for you personally. Um, capped it off with your first All-Australian squad nomination in Season 7. Um, has that Was that continuity a part of just the natural improvement for you? And how are you feeling coming into Season 8, improving on what was an exceptional individual season? Yeah, um, I didn't really feel like I was playing football that I didn't think I was capable of. I thought mm. that... Um, very much I'd started to develop into the player that I always knew I could be. Um, I was very fortunate that the role within the club very much reflected my abilities and my strengths. So, um, yeah, it was, it was nice to be able to feel like I'd finally achieved mm. playing football as I know I could. And I, I maintained that throughout season seven, which is probably the part of it I'm most proud of. Um, but yeah, coming into this free season, I felt it's been a little bit of a, um, a challenge this preseason. I feel like I'm really starting to grow in areas that are making me a little bit uncomfortable, um, yeah. which is, which is great, but it really feels like I've gone back to novice level in some areas of the game um, and really stripping it back before we start to really build on it in the next phase of preseason. But um, for the most part, it's just great to be around the girls again. And um, yeah, it's already gone so quickly. I can't believe we're only, we're already five weeks into preseason to be honest. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things you did mention there was, you know, that you felt that your role better reflected your strengths as a as a footballer. And we did see you were a bit more up the ground, sort of a, a hybrid halfback flank wing role. Can you tell us a bit about that role change and how that might move into this new season? 
Yeah. Um, as you mentioned, I played a lot more wing minutes than I had in previous years. And I think there's a little bit of a stigma about wingers that, you know, they sit on the outside, they mm. get the easy ball. And, um, you know, there's some games where you don't touch the footy if you're on the wing, if you're the fat side winger and, you know, it's on the skinny side the whole game. But um, we're very fortunate with the structure we had at the pies that it allowed me to have a little bit of little bit of both. And um, with our wing role, as you see, it's not we're not always completely standing out in a paddock of space and hoping the ball comes out there. Like it's a very much a two-way running role. And with my capacity as a runner, it very much reflected me and um, allowed me to kind of in the back half of games work over my opponents and get up the field and be really offensive. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's fantastic for our fantasy points as well because it means you're getting much more of the ball as well. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so just speaking of like you moving into that midfield role, we've seen in the in the last season that you did have two really big outs in Bree Davey and Britt Benici, who we'll talk a bit more about in a second, but that sort of allowed you and both both yourself and Ruby Slicer to move into that midfield uh, to increase the sort of versatility, I suppose, of that Collingwood team. Is that something that we're likely to see a bit more of this season, even with those two returning? Yeah, I'm sure you will. Like we've all, with the absence of Bree and Britt, we've all added more strings to our bow. Um, although it was absolutely devastating to lose both of them, it did mm. give as you mentioned, myself and Ruby especially, an opportunity to develop in other areas of our game, which although this season Bree and Britt have returned, I think it's just made our team all the more stronger. And mm. the, the word versatile was one that you threw up then, and I think that's a great uh, depiction of what our team is going to look like this year. Um, really diverse and, yeah, a really well-rounded team and players who can play in multiple roles. Yeah, absolutely. Having said that, I, I definitely want Ruby to go back into the back line. I, I much prefer to down there as, as the interceptor. So if you can... Uh, from a fantasy point of view, yeah. From, well, from a fantasy <laughs> point of view, it's it's quite rare actually that going into the midfield isn't good for your fantasy points, but for Ruby it actually was. Um, and I guess from yeah. my personal enjoyment, I quite liked watching her dash off the half-back line. So hopefully she, can go, hopefully she can go into the back line and kick it to you on the wing and then everyone's happy. There we go. Yeah, best <laughs> of both worlds. Your fantasy team will be, will be really happy with that. <laughs> Fantastic. So, I mean, we, we just spoke a bit about Brippenich and Bree Davey coming back in. I'm I'm assuming that it, it's a massive thing for the, for the group, those two coming back in. You said that it's going to be quite a versatile midfield group, but any team's going to be improved by those two returning. Absolutely. And I think, like, we all know that they're star players, but I think the aspect of uh, them being involved that we really missed last year was their leadership. Mm-hmm. Um, and although they were still involved in a game day capacity, Bree was on the bench and Britt was in the box. Um, there was that that aspect, that disconnect between the players on the field and the coaches. Um, and I think they're really good at kind of bridging that gap mm. and understanding from a, you know, a coaching and a playing perspective what the what the team needs. So um and even just like like Britt has come out of the gates so hot and I can only see her continuing to maintain like she was, yeah, she she's absolutely really set the bar and there's a few people who are chasing her, but for the most part, she's just on her own. She's in a league of her own, has just is just so motivated and she's really manifested coming into this preseason. Um and yeah, I think I was speaking to her the other day and she's just feeling really reinvigorated and it's it's visible. You can definitely see the energy she's bringing. She's just a new person and um, Brizo is consistent as ever. We're so stoked to have her back. And again, her leadership has has been invaluable in this preseason period. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess the the 
flip side of that is you've lost longtime skipper Steph Yochi going over to the Saints as well as a previous best and fairest winner in Jamie Lambert. I mean, you, you've got two pretty good ins coming in in Bree Davy and Benici, but has that sort of change in leadership and the change in that midfield composition been felt during this preseason? Uh it's definitely been quieter without Chotch around. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that that's definitely an area that we've um we've missed because mate, she could ha- she could talk the legs off a chair. But um <laughs> I think in terms of a leadership perspective, like Chotch was so good at looking after her teammates and she had that genuine care for us all. Um but that being said, it there there's not an omission in that area with, you know, the leaders that we currently have. Um but yeah, and as for the chops, like she's a one of a kind player. And in terms of off-field stuff, you know, you, you wouldn't really know she was there, but she made up for it in terms of the impact she had on the field. So, yep. um, yeah, I think although we have lost Chotch, the the torch was being handed over anyway. And in her last season when she played with Bree, she was co-captain. So yep. whether it would have been a sole captaincy to Bree, um, I, I still think our leadership's in really, really good hands. Yeah, absolutely. And. I guess one of the things I actually did want to talk to you about with uh, Jamie Lambert is one of her strengths was kicking goals, and you've also lost another a big name in that forward half of the ground in Chloe Malloy. I suppose goal kicking has always been a bit of an Achilles heel for the Pies, um, so losing two of your you know premium movers in that forward half, I guess what work has the group put in this preseason in terms of putting on more goals this season and adding to that scoreboard pressure? Yeah, well, um, I think our game plan has, is probably reflecting getting the ball in our forward half a little bit more and um, really mm. owning that territory. I know that Breeze's uh, absence was felt last year in terms mm. of how much he contributed to our inside 50s. So, yeah, of course. Um, and even as you mentioned, like putting Ruby off the half back line, that'll contribute to, um, you know, back half turn, turnovers, getting it inside 50. Mm. You know, we may see that theoretical link, as you said, between <laughs> Ruby and myself getting it inside 50. Absolutely. Um, but in the off season, we've acquired Allery Morris from our VFL team. And yep. like, if you if, honestly, this is a hot tip. If you haven't put her in your fantasy <laughs> team yet, I would, cause she is a star and oh. just a hybrid player can take, play tall and small. Um, it's just going to tear defenses apart. So um, look out for Allery Morris. I think she's someone who's really going to come in and have a huge impact. And then uh, now Morris Dalton, just to mm. compliment the tall forwards that we already have in Sabrina Frederick and Liv Barber. So um, and the development of those two players in in this uh, preseason phase has been really impressive. So um, hopefully we can, I think our Achilles heel is getting it in there. Let's yeah. keep it in there and kick goals because, you know, we've got the runners in Tani Brown and EJ to, you know, kick goals. So mm. let's hope we can keep it in there and kick some more. Yeah, fantastic. And, and two of the players you mentioned there in um, Liv Barber and uh, Sabrina Frederick, uh, Alison Downey is a big retirees opening up a, a spot in the ruck. Uh, are those two in the frame to fill that ruck role or is there someone else that's uh, taken the ruck mantle so far? Yeah, I think we don't really have any really tall timber. Um, mm. Obviously Liv and uh, Sabs are out two of our taller players, but I think it's probably going to look a bit more like a, a medium build uh, okay. midfielder. So at the moment, I think uh, we've got, uh, image and Barnett who's up there, oh, yeah, Erica yeah. Fowler. So yeah. I think we're still really trying to work with what that midfield could look like. Um, mm. but it could be, you know, we could have five or six different ruck women on the day. Yeah. Very nice. I, I was kind of really hoping that you'd say, uh, it was going to be Ruby going back into the ruck. Cause, uh, we've had a lot of laughs about 
her time in the rock back in the day. Yeah, no, nah, that's love gone. I think that that's dead in the water. Yeah. yeah. Which is probably a good thing for everyone involved, but it still disappoints me that she's refusing to go back there. Yeah, I don't blame her. Rock rock's a bloody brutal position. So yeah, I, I, I was I'm not gonna, putting my hand up for it. I was gonna fall up saying you're not the shortest player, uh, Geordie, so you you probably need no. to watch out as well. As I said, our medium, our medium tall, I think I'm just maybe one or two <laughs> centimeters too small to be considered just um just enough just enough to fly under the radar (laughs) well you've already given us one really good um hot tip on uh morris as one but uh, a question we do like to ask is which players caught your eye this preseason look set for a big 2023 and uh, i'll also preface this by saying last season ruby slicer gave us a really really good tip because she said it would be you and that was a great tip. So I've got big expectations from from you. Uh, who who's going to break into the All Australian squad this year at Collingwood? Well, the first person that came to mind was actually uh, my fellow back uh, comrade in Lauren Butler. Um, Very nice. I think every everything every single season she continues to grow in like you know exponentially, and I think this season's no exception. And yeah, I dare say that she's really gonna. Um, really going to cement her position in the competition as one of the premier defenders, mm. um, like her athleticism, her smarts. Um, I think in every single aspect of the game, she's really shown growth in just this really short preseason that we've had. And yeah, she's not pumping the brakes. So I think she'll be one of those people that'll be chasing down Britt Bonucci for uh, best on ground <laughs> throughout this preseason. Yeah. Very nice. And I, I, it amazes me that Lauren Butler continues to be such an underrated player. Cause she was in the all Australian oh. squad with you last season. And yet she still seems to fly under the radar. It's crazy. Yeah. And if you know what was is like as a person, she's just the most humble most humble character you'll ever meet. And um, I, yeah, even in our best and fairest last year, I don't know how she didn't get more, more recognition for her work. Mm. Cause um, it's not even the stuff that she does with the ball, like her composure and her, yeah, just, just the way that she moves the ball when she has it in her hand, but how she sets up us as defenders and sets the ground up ahead of her. Um, she really is an invaluable teammate to have. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that sounds absolutely fantastic, and it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Thank you so much, Geordie, and good luck for the season ahead. No worries, Bill. Thanks for having me. All the best. Thank you. Well, another great chat, another excellent opportunity for you, Will, to talk for another season in a row to a Collingwood defender. Now do you want to talk about why she might be someone worthwhile having in your side this year? Yeah, absolutely. Um, she alluded to it a bit in that interview, but she took her game to a new level last season, and a lot of that was due to spending a fair bit of time up on the wing. Um, so she was up in the play, getting around the midfield, and her ability to take marks and move the ball with her kicking really helped her scoring. Um, so she scored three seventies and averaged 65 last season, still pretty young and improving, so I think she's a, a really good option to to take that average up over 70 and put her into that bracket of players who could be vying for that top defender role. I agree that she had a great year last year, but I'm for the first time going to play a bit of devil's advocate here. And it's something that kind of we need to discuss, which is what's happening with Ruby because. Yeah, we um, had a bit of a chat about that with uh, Geordie Allen. And it sounds like it's going to still be that hybrid midfield role. I think it might be a little bit less considering they've now got Davian Benici back, but I think she'll probably be floating between the two roles. 
I did say, and you would have heard in the interview, I, I hope she's down back. I think she's probably best suited back there and it's better for Collingwood when she's down there intercepting. But I think the, the problem with Slicer is I think she'll be listed as a midfielder and that's going to hurt her value. Agree. But the bigger question here is what does that do to everyone else's scoring? Because Ruby was still a good scorer last year, but that was predominantly as a midfielder and spending time up around the ball. She was a better fantasy scorer when she was a full-time intercepting defender with one of the few ceilings above 100 for players who play entirely in defense. I would be concerned about not only Geordie Allen, but also Lauren Butler for their fantasy scoring if Ruby's back there because both of them took a step forward with the extra time, with the additional role that came with Ruby playing on the ball. And that's why I didn't choose Lauren Butler as my player here, even though Geordie Allen reckons she's going to take a game to a new level here this season. And the reason I did stick with Geordie Allen is because she does play that different role um, to what uh, Ruby Slicer would be playing in that back line, a bit more of a, a drifter up um, as a link player. Um, so I think that will serve her pretty well to at least keep that average of around 65, which puts her into the, the better tier of uh, defenders that you can get. And for those of you who are, con- who are confused, I think that 65 average is not including the 250 and below scores from the finals for that is correct. Geordie Allen. So those ones, I, I, put, I don't think you can really take anything away from the scoring in that game against Adelaide. There were some mm. absolute stinkers, uh, well below average for everyone whose name wasn't Chloe Malloy. Oh, sorry. Yeah, for... Yeah, Chloe had a great game and then everyone else really struggled to make their average. So I still think there is some cause for, not concern, just if Ruby is back there, I would be very surprised if there wasn't a little dip in both Allen and Butler because there will just be less capacity for, if you're going to rack up chip marks, like Ruby is the queen of doing that above and beyond everyone else. So I just don't think there's enough points to go around. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. And it, we, we, as you've said, it's going to go a lot around Ruby Slash's role because if she is staying in that midfield, I think it's a fantastic opportunity for Allen to continue getting those points. I think she can still do it if Ruby's back there, but it's going to be an interesting watch, I think. Yeah. Well, we can now throw to someone that we have not seen play at any point. Will, who's your next most fantasy-relevant player? Yeah, this is the player that Geordie Allen highlighted as someone who's generating a lot of hype down at Magpie Land, and that is O'Leary Morris. She's looking like she's going to be slotting straight into that explosive role that uh, Chloe Malloy um, filled for the pie. So Geordie Allen tells us that she's a, a very naturally talented and athletic player, can play tall and small, um, burst out of stoppages as a, as a sort of medium-sized forward. Um, so it sounds like she's going to get an early crack in the Pies forward line. As a rookie pie priced forward option in a pretty strong team, I think that seems like a, a very good option to, to at least sit on your bench. I think you've also missed out the key little factoid. She played alongside the most important rookie last year because she um, O'Leary was playing in um, in Sydney, in AFLW Sydney. She was a teammate of Eilish Sheeran last year. Mm. And if any of that kind of mercurial, like, extreme fantasy prevalence can rub off 
I think that's a, a great name to have in your in your rookie black book when it comes to round one. Yeah, absolutely. If she's picked round one, I know that she'll probably be sitting on my bench, if not on my field, as my playing rookie. But yeah, I, I, I'm hoping that she can be our Irish Eilish Sheeran for for 2023. Yeah, I. I I Irish really don't Sharon. have. I don't know if I can really have too many complaints about this. I think it'll probably be a slow burn just by nature of being a forward, but we've seen forwards go and become close to basically top ten forwards or top ten in their line with Tara Bahana in season six. So it's not beyond the realms of possibility. And now we've got to talk about the most important player on this podcast, and that's daughter of Tani White's mum at your player number five. Yep, that is Tani White herself. Um, once again, shout out to Tani White's mum. Um, so Tani White, I think, is a, a fantastic recruit for the Pies. Um, she can play pretty much anywhere on the park. Uh, but having a chat to her recently, it sounds like she does want to play in that midfield, although she did quote-unquote say, uh, I'm just hoping to get a, get a game, which I suppose is fair enough. But um, basically... My thoughts on Tani White is we know she can get the ball. We know she can tackle. Um, so if she gets an increase in her midfield time, she's re- a really good chance to increase that average. But the other side of it is if she does end up as a defender, she joins a Mark Happy backline, which is a good thing for a defender to be able to take those easy marks and Collingwood do it just about better than any. So I think there's a fair bit of upside with Tani White. I think she'll probably still be listed as a midfielder, unfortunately, which oh, puts her in that awkward, awkward um, price range. So you're probably going to be looking at Davian Benici well before you look at Tiny White, but I think it's definitely worth uh, putting her there as an option. Look, I love your optimism, Will. I think Tiny White was an excellent player, particularly to start last year when she really did kind of have free reign in that St Kilda midfield, even if it wasn't a particularly high-scoring midfield at that. I think the flag that we have to raise here is that she goes from being kind of number one midfielder at St Kilda for particularly tackles, albeit in a slightly inconsistent scoring team, to probably a third string or third third rank in that midfield. And as much as we love her tackling, it's not like Britt Benici or Bree Davey aren't themselves tacklers. I would say that if we were going to create a world where we have Tani White in our team to end the year, it is in the instance where she does play off a halfback, drops in price for a few weeks, and then we do see her potentially even as um, Ruby Slicer shifts back towards a defender. We see Tani White go in, and that's where she can really bump it up again because she does have a good ceiling. We've seen her do that at the beginning of both season six and season seven. Well, you know, both times ceiling above 90, which is great hundred in fact yeah well yeah at the very least like two yeah. uh, i think in both of the last two years has gone multiple times above 90 in the first three rounds so loves loves a bit of a cuddle to begin the year but as you said it's going to be hard to pick her when the two much better scoring players at collingwood's midfield are already cheaper than she is yeah for sure and i really struggled to pick this fifth one because i mean the fact that we started with talking about Davian Benici just shows how excited we were to talk about it because they're, they're almost shoe-ins to be in probably 80% of people's teams. Um, so I ended up just going for the the um, the fan service, um, once again, shout out to Tani's mum, and pick a, fa- a friend of the pod who may in fact be somewhat relevant at some point in the season. 
look, I admire your commitment to the bit there. So I now get to talk about my special player, and I think for the first time, I'm no, actually, we're 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 just continuing on on brand here. We're picking another ruck because that's the best time to talk about rucks. So I'm going to mention as my special player. Imogen Barnett, if only because we've got the inside word that it's looking like she will be the predominant ruck at Collingwood this year, given that Alison Downey is no longer there. And towards the back end of the year, she was given that ruck role predominantly to herself, an average somewhere in the low 50s, and she'll come in price at 43 this year and will be coming into her third season. So kind of this time you might start to see a bit of natural improvement and will probably have been given a full off season to prepare to play Ruck this year. I think it's just a name to keep a watch on. Entirely possible that she's the live fuller, for example, like yeah, kind of goes I, from this I, kind of mid forties Ruck up to sixties. I also think that the, the thing that um, also makes it quite interesting to me is she'll likely still be listed as a forward. Um, if she is listed as a forward, I think there's actually more value there than as a Ruck. Um, yeah, if you no, that's get, a good point. Because if you if you get her as a forward and she can start averaging, you know, even over fifty five towards a sixty for a ruck, you're like, oh yeah, that's not bad. And there's a lot more ruck options that we'll be talking about through the series. But as a forward, you're thinking, oh, I reckon that's a fair, a fair shake there. See, I think it's more the case that there's more capacity to take some pot shots on some upside players with downside risk in the forward line versus the ruck where there's much less capacity to find alternative options at the same price point that that player ends up at. So I would actually say the main reason I like it if she's a forward is, all right, yeah, it's a flop. Given the sheer number of mid-priced potential options we're going to have forwards, I still think there'll be someone to move to. Mm. And I think that we're going to... You run the risk of doing the same thing again. Yeah, and I think we're going to talk about an absolute you know, spate of forwards who are going to be, they could be's, and we're going to invariably have heaps of misses in there, but there's going to be some hits. So as you say, Barnett could go straight up to around a 60 as the ruck, might not. If he doesn't, there's going to be someone else to move to, such as an Abby Mackay last season. Yeah, I, I don't know if I'm as bullish as a 60, but let's say there's 10 points of upside, up to a 53, that's mm. possible. And if they get to hit, an easier ruck, few ruck matchups to begin the year. It might be someone mid-price that you go, you aren't my rookie upgrade, but you're a sideways once the pricing cycle finishes and I can jump on someone who's a underpriced primo who's gone down and, and that's kind of your one-on, like you're hopping off point. But it's, 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 a, it's a name worth considering. Absolutely, and uh, shout out to Bernie who has been terrorised by Imogen Barnett in the past. So, sure know what that means. Yep, I I sure hope you do because that is a niche <laughs> reference that I don't even get. Well, on that highly entertaining note, we're going to wrap up today's episode. Uh, following on next, we're going to have oh, a club. I think we're doing. Are we doing a club episode next? No, I think we're just going to skip oh. that one. Oh, we're just we're just going to skip. They're not a football club. It's a way of life. We've got the Bombers. (laughs) And so be sure to listen to that. Also be sure to check us out on Instagram and Twitter at FreeKickWPod, where most importantly you can get mine and Will's predicted best 21 
for the pies this year, and we'll be doing that for every single team as we release our clubs in days episode. So be sure to check that out. They'll become particularly important when it comes around to team selection time. Will, where can they find you on the socials? They can find me on Instagram and on Twitter at WillH underscore VI. And you can find me on Twitter at Liam AFLW Fantasy. Be sure to listen in for our next episode. But until then, we'll see you soon.